Let's start with a word of prayer here. Father God, we give to you your word. It is yours, and we are here to hear from it. Lord, I pray you'd fill us with your Holy Spirit, that I would preach your word in its truth, that it would be applied to our lives, and we'd walk out these doors knowing you a little more, living for you a little more, walking with you a little more. Lord God, we thank you for your love for us, shown in Jesus Christ, that foundation that from us will not depart, for it is a perfect infinite and eternal foundation. We praise you, Father, for that sacrifice given in our place. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Sorry, I had to sing some of the songs tonight. We, we sang some of my favorites. Uh, 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 what is it? Ein Festeburgisch unser Gott. Uh, Mighty Fortress is our God. And uh, that last one, I love those two. I had to sing on them. So if I die in the middle of this, just pick me up, throw me aside. Life can be an anxious and depressing place to live. Can't it? Life can be an anxious and depressing place to live. There are good things and there are bad things in this world, aren't there? But let's not forget that even the good things, even the best of things in this world are tainted by sin be it our own or, or the sin of those around us. I, I have sin in my own heart. Everyone around me has fallen in sin. We all fall short, right? E even the ground we stand upon has been cursed since the fall. It'll raise up thorns and make our work hard. Ever since the garden... So if, if the good things have gone bad, let's, let's spend some time thinking about the bad things. There's, there's sickness. There's cancer. Some of us have vertigo that we're dealing with where it's even hard to get out of bed in the morning, or maybe it's hard to lay down because you get dizzy. There's neuropathy where you, you feel a constant tingling in your hands and feet, and you just can't sleep. You just can't get through your day. Some of us have Crohn's disease. My friend Roger, you, you might get to meet him someday if he comes out here, he, he has had an unbelievable number of surgeries, especially if you count every time he had his nephrostomy tube changed. He had a tube in his kidney that was keeping his kidney alive, and it was draining out into a bag in his back. Uh, he was in the hospital for months at a time. They removed a portion of his intestines. Uh, he was on meds after that that caused his kidneys to die. He was on dialysis for a year, and then he had a kidney transplant. Meds, 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 and more meds. A more intelligent and gifted guy you'd be hard-pressed to find. And yet he, he would go through periods where he'd, he'd look at himself and say, I was once sharp, and because of these meds, it's so hard to just get through a conversation not as sharp as I was. He isn't able to work. He wants to work, but he can't trust his health day to day. My mom, deaf blind. She has eyes that don't see and ears that can't hear. This is life. There's political unrest. It leads to war. There's sex trafficking. Even today, People using people like a commodity for their own selfish gain. I, I just got this 
nifty little flyer here from uh, Judy Edinger, and, and it says, slavery still exists. According to the United Nations, four billion people live outside the protection of the law. They are abused. Millions of children and families are forced to work for little or no pay in abusive and often violent conditions. Children and young women are forced into the sex industry, generating billions for the criminals who exploit them. One in five women around the world is a victim of rape or attempted rape, and impoverished women and girls are particularly vulnerable. This is life. There's drugs. There's pride that leads to a, all sorts of sin and harm to uh, those around us. There are trials and hardships all around us. What am I going to do about my children who need this and that? How are we supposed to afford A, B, and C? Where are we going to live? Or, or in our case, when are we going to find a house to live in? Sometimes life situations can just become overwhelming. feels like the enemies of life are being exalted over us. All you want to do is crawl into bed, disappear not have to deal with it. As the anxiety and depression grab hold. And we say, how long? How long? How long? How long is this going to go on? And this is where we find David tonight. We find him probably literally in a hole as he hides from King Saul. Many scholars attribute this psalm to that time when he was on the run from King Saul as King Saul chased him down relentlessly, pursued him. Let's read Psalm 13 together. Let's stand up for the reading of God's word. Psalm 13, starting in verse 1, says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice, because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. The reading of God's word. Thank you very much. We find, find David and he's tired of running. 
He's tired of the trial. He is frustrated with not being able to be home, be settled. He's sleeping with his head on rocks, not his pillow. He's angry with his situation. He's depressed, tired, and anxious. He's overwhelmed with where he is in life right now. When and where would he have to run to next as Saul pursues him, not giving him any rest? How long will I have to keep doing this, going through this? I'm tired of playing this game, Lord. It's no fun. Perhaps looking at his life, he wondered where he'd gone wrong. What, What had he done wrong? He fought Goliath in the name of the Lord. He served and honored Saul, even though Saul attempted to kill him time and again. What had he done to deserve this trial in his life? So with his eyes on himself, his situation, his life, his earthly circumstances... David rails at God. How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul? Am I talking to myself here? I have sorrow in my heart all day long. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? David here talks at God. While he talks at God, he feels like his prayers are just just hitting that ceiling. They're going nowhere. How long am I going to have to talk to myself, take counsel in my own soul? I think the Lord had David write these first two verses first part of this psalm to remind us that God is big enough to handle our frustration. When we have reached our limit and we feel like God isn't there, God isn't listening, He's ready. He knows where you're at and He can take it. He understands our lack of understanding. He understands our our limited view of life, our finiteness. Know that the Lord your God can sympathize with you. In Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 44, And he came out, Jesus, and he, Jesus, came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. There appeared an angel from heaven, 
strengthening him, and being in agony. Even after this angel came and strengthened him, being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Our Lord knows what stress and hardship is. Flip over to Isaiah chapter 52 real quick. Jesus knew scriptures. Jesus had the whole of the Old Testament memorized, I'm quite sure. And I'm quite sure he knew Isaiah 52, verse 14. As he was in the garden, he knew, as many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. He saw it coming. He knew what was going to be happening to him. He knows what stress, hardship, and agony are in this life. He was spat upon. His friends abandoned him. He was left alone and in the hands of those who hated him. He knows how hard this life can get. Flip over to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, beginning at verse 14. It says, Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. He knows what you are going through on this fallen earth. So how did he handle it? In that passage in Luke, what did he do when he saw what was coming, when he knew what was going to be happening? He knew he was about to be betrayed. How did he handle it? When agony overwhelmed the Lord, what did he do? He prayed. Then after he was done praying, he prayed more earnestly. That's the word that Luke used in that passage. See, Jesus intentionally took his eyes off of his earthly circumstances and, and put his focus on God the Father. As he said, 
If it can be done, take this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He intentionally took his eyes off of his earthly circumstances and put them on the will of God. There is a way out of the anxiety and depression that this life provides us with. What does David do here in our psalm? You you can see a distinct change in the tone of the psalm between those first two verses and then verse 3. We we see David turning from talking at God to talking to God. At first he's going, how long, O Lord? Will you forget me? How long, how long, how long? And then he says in verse 3, consider and answer me. O Lord my God, he again recognizes who his God is. He says, O Yahweh my God, light up my eyes. He he starts to pray. He prays, and then he prays more earnestly. He intentionally takes his eyes off his earthly circumstances and, and, and he goes towards God. Would you start taking care of this for me? Would you answer me? The whole tone of the psalm changes not because his situation has changed but because his focus has. We always want God to change our circumstances but God wants to change our hearts. He will often carry us through a trial instead of removing us from that trial in order to shape and form in us a a greater Christ-likeness, to conform us into the image of his Son. And the first step to heart change is often changing our focus from looking at me and my situation and my hardships to looking at God and what's your will. What do you want from me in this situation? How can I glorify you in all of this? When we take our focus off of ourselves and put it on the Lord, we remember my earthly circumstance is not the end of me. Let's notice these these three things that David says here that that he does, even though his situation has not physically changed. In spite of his circumstance, David grounds himself in the steadfast love of God. Starting in verse 5. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice In your salvation, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. I have trusted in your steadfast love. That's the first thing he decides to do. He's going to trust. He has trusted in God's steadfast love. David is deciding to trust in the Lord, even though his situation is no different. Why? Because David has already experienced God's love for him. David 
knew that he was chosen by God. If you look at 1 Samuel chapter 16, we see that Samuel goes and he finds David amongst his brothers and he anoints him to be the king because God told him to do that. And David knew that he was chosen by God. He knew the love of God and the choice of God in his person. He knew it. For us, we can look at a passage like Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, where it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. God has you in his hand. He knew you before the foundations of the earth. If we look a little further in that same chapter of Ephesians, Ephesians 1.18 says that we are God's own inheritance. And he looks forward to that. He looks forward to having you with him. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17 expresses that God sings over his people. He rejoices that much in you. Ever think of God singing? We always sing to God. Can you imagine God sings over you? What a blessing to know the love that God has for us. We endure earthly trials knowing how lavishly, how richly we have been loved in Jesus Christ. Knowing that our citizenship is in heaven. In Jesus Christ, we have been adopted into the family of God. In Jesus Christ, we have the hope of everlasting life. In Jesus Christ, we have salvation from our greatest enemy, sin, death, the grave. David goes on and he says, My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Because David has experienced the salvation of God. When he went to fight Goliath, What did he say to King Saul? 1 Samuel chapter 13, verses 34 to 37, he said, I can face Goliath, right? David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him, killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, The Lord who delivered me, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. David already had experienced the salvation of God. And he knew that God would uphold him through this trial, 
as he faced Goliath. Have you experienced God's salvation? Have you been delivered from those things that, that, that threaten your own life, your very life, your very soul? Jesus Christ died in our place to give us relief from death and the grave. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? It is powerless in the face of the blood of the Lamb, in the face of Jesus Christ, in the face of his sacrifice in our place. And that is good news. That is something to rejoice over. That is something to recognize and say, yes! Do you get more excited when you watch football than when you come to church? This should be the exciting day of our week, ladies and gentlemen. This should be where we have excitement. This is the best thing. We get to be in God's Word, stand up for God Almighty, together as a family. How much better does it get? I will rejoice in his salvation because his salvation has brought me into this family of God, right? Our citizenship is no longer earthly. My life doesn't belong to this earth. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 17 to 21 says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you've seen in us. For many of whom I've often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in the shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Our life does not belong to this world. Whatever trial we're going through, whatever is happening in our lives, it is not going to own us. It can't own us when God owns us, when God has purchased us with the blood of his son. We belong to him. There's nothing in this world can throw at us to remove us from the love of God. If you haven't memorized Romans 8 yet, go home and memorize Romans 8. It's one of the most encouraging chapters of scripture there are. What can separate us from the love of God? And Paul's answer is nothing. Nothing in heaven, nothing on earth, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And so David will sing to the Lord. He will lift up his voice and sing to God. He says, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Everything on this earth that he has has been provided for him over and above what he deserves by the Lord. He says, God has dealt, God has dealt bountifully with me. Wait a minute. God has dealt bountifully with him? His circumstances haven't changed. He's still in the trial. He's still running from Saul. And he says, I will sing to the Lord because he has 
dealt bountifully with me already. Do you notice in those verses it says, I have trusted in your steadfast love. I have. And I shall, right here and now, rejoice in your salvation, and I will sing. Past, present, future. See, David understood that God is sovereign, and God has been there for him in the past, in the present, and in the future, that God stands apart from time. The trials and hardships of this world do not surprise God. They don't throw him off guard. He doesn't look at your trial and go, oh, no, I didn't think about that one. He's already accounted for them. He's already prepared for our greatest good. He works all things out for the good of the sake of those who love him, right? And if God so lavishly and richly loves us to provide us with so great a salvation in his son, what will he not see us through? What trial of this world will he not see us through? There's not a time or a place that the Lord has not been there for us, is not there for us, or will not be there for us in the future. If the world throws at us the worst thing it can, and it, it, our body falls apart, and we should die this day, could happen to any of us in the car, car accident. Boom, we're gone. If that's the worst the world can throw at us, guess where we are? If we have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation, we are in paradise. No more trials. No more pain. No more tears. A perfect body. Amen? One day I was asked to visit a friend's brother in the hospital. He was dying of cancer. The pain, you could see it in his face. It was absolutely horrific. The nurse came in. She was talking to him. She, she asked him, how's your pain level today? And you know how they do that scale of 1 to 10? And he says, it's an 11. As we were talking, and he tells me, I forget the exact words, he, he says, I could be angry. I could ask, why me, Lord? But why not me? I haven't done anything to deserve better than what I have right here and right now. Everybody deals with hardships. Everybody deals with sickness. Everybody's going to face death. His confidence was in his salvation. His focus was on Jesus Christ. He had peace and joy in the midst of the trial, even though his circumstances had not changed. He died the next day. He is in paradise. His citizenship, his life, his focus was not here on this earth. It was in Christ. On the reality of life in Jesus Christ beyond what we endure on this earthly life. And that gave him a source of joy. He could sing before his Lord. 
He knew God had been with, been with him in the past, was there with him right then, and would be with him whatever his future would hold. In Jesus Christ, we have a Savior who can sympathize. And we have a hope beyond our circumstances and a joy that is available to us in the midst of whatever trial this earth will give us. Praise be to God Almighty. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you that you are always with us. You are always here for us. Your love for us is immense. Your love for us is indeed steadfast. It doesn't move. It goes nowhere. It's always here. You've been good to us to provide us more than we deserve. You've been good to us to provide us with gifts, to provide us with life, Help us, Lord, to use that life to rejoice in you, to to show others the joy that it is to know your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to be your tools, to plant seeds in the soil around us. Lord, we praise you tonight. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.